I'm Adam Lippi, writer, editor, publisher of RegrettableSincerity.com, and you're about to hear an interview I did with the creators and stars of The Boondock Saints 2, writer-director Troy Duffy, and stars Sean Patrick Flannery and Norman Reedus. The interview took place on a 75-degree day in Philadelphia, a week in advance of the theatrical opening of The Boondock Saints 2. You'll hear my voice first, then Troy, then Sean, and then Norman, who infrequently and soft-spokenly interjects. Quick question for Troy, but I'm, and I'm not trying to be antagonistic at all, but you figured the questions were coming about overnight anyway. Sure. Um, do you think in any way, I think it actually helped you in terms of no matter how badly you came off in the movie and you didn't direct it so you had no control over that, uh-huh. it helped you because somebody's going to feel sorry for you as sort of almost like a patsy. Do you think that almost helped you get the movie made? No. In fact, that's the first time that that notion's been expressed to me at all. <laughs> Somebody's gonna feel sorry for me. Well, it wasn't from watching that documentary and like hook me up. No, it had the opposite effect. You know, I'm I'm sure, but it, I, I don't know that it helped or hindered. I mean, I think it gave people pause. But ultimately, in Hollywood, it's about the bottom line. Boondock was a financial juggernaut. That's it. That's why they made the movie. The fans sort of forced it on them because the fans were responsible for the set, success of the first one and responsible for the second one being made. Ultimately, no matter what kind of bad press you get, mm-hmm. if, uh, if, it's, if, if the bottom line is you know, a lot of uh, money, Hollywood will get around to you sooner or later. Uh, and did you write other scripts in the interim? What did you manage to do during the 10 years? During the 10 years, we wrote five scripts. We've knocked down the first and most important one, Boondock 2. There are four more, which will hopefully fall like dominoes if, if uh, you know, I make the right move. And if this is successful, is the hope that, I mean, you know, I guess you want to avoid what it's always said about George Lucas, which was, you know, he was very talented, but he's going to be stuck making Star Wars movies for the rest of his life, which is, that was said in the early 80s, and it turned out to be true. Um, yeah. Are you, do you have that fear that you're just going to be pigeonholed? And you just People forget about, like, American Graffiti, though. Right. Yeah, but also, he's got fucking Skywalker Ranch because of it. He's not doing so bad. He feels indebted to the fans in the same way that you do. Oh, sure, yeah. There's a co- I guess there's a correlation there. Um, we, uh, we... No, I'm not going to be stuck doing Boondocks Saints movies the rest of my life. Not that I would consider being stuck. This was the funnest shit to do of all time in my life. The two greatest moments in my life for Boondock 1 and 2. Just, uh, it is. Not that it, it's just that uh, during that 10-year that period, I was able to write many scripts that I haven't shown anybody yet. And I can say, I, I read one, The Good King, and it's killer. And it's a complete departure. Like, you would never say the guy that wrote Boondock wrote that. If you, didn't, if you told me he wrote it, I would, I'd call him up and go, dude, did you fucking write that? No gay jokes huh? That was plenty of them. It, it's, it's, it's a complete <laughs> departure. I mean, it's a period piece. It's just completely different. There's no correlation at all. So, I mean, obviously, he's talented cat, right? I got other things to say, you know, as an artist, and I uh, hope I get to say them. But uh, I think that that's going to rest on, on how well we do here, you know? Well, I mean, part of it is me looking at what Sony tends to do. They, they rehash a lot of franchises and things you never make sequels to yeah. 10 years after the fact, like 8mm and Single White Female. Do they really? They made it 8mm too? Uh-huh. I was in 8mm 1. That's right, you were. 
Did they do like a single white female too? Yes. No shit. They're all direct to video. Starship Troopers 2, Starship Hollow Man 2, 3. No, all I that. didn't know that. And, and they're due to failures. It, it has nothing to do with how much money the movie makes. It's no. just, just because it's a recognizable name. Yeah. And people will go, okay. There's a Bats 2. I don't know why that is, but there is. A what 2? Bats. It's a terrible movie made in the late 90s with Diamond Cole. Oh, I don't know that. that. I didn't even awesome. see the number one. Uh, the it would be, but it's, yeah. it would be, but it's PG-13. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's with Lou Diamond. I'm down. I think it might have been his last sort of main lead in the theatrical. In, in, in a theatrical. It was like 97, 98. Wow. But that's what I was thinking, because Sony picks it up. Uh, was this produced independently and then Sony picked it, picked up distribution, or they bought it from You should talk to Fox. CB about that. He knows the financial thing, but I believe that that's what happened. At. So we, we did what's called a negative pickup. I don't know that I entirely understand how that works, but we borrowed the money from a bank. So we were able to spend it. How you know, it gives you a lot of more freedom during the right. during the creative process. So you don't have to get things signed off on and triplicate. Does that mean that you had to have less or more producers on the set watching you? Less, and my producers weren't watching me. They were trying to help me make a better film. I mean, CB has been one of my best friends for over a decade now. He produced the first one. He produced the second one. His first reaction was never like, you know, shut it down, we're going too deep into the day, we can't get this, no. It's always to try to help us make a better film. This guy got on the phone, busted his ass. Um, now what's odd about the first film is that it's made of a made in a certain style that a lot of people have said, oh, turn Tarantino and woo. And what what what's interesting about the sequel is that it's made almost in exactly the same style, which would theoretically be that something was dated five years after it was made, and then another ten years does it come around in a circle where it's suddenly cool and retro, like we'll see Boondock uh, Saints two shirts and hipster shops and stuff. Uh, is was that a, I'm assuming that was a conscious decision to make it nearly identical because that's you know that's what the fans wanted. They wanted something probably a little bigger and better because that's the notion of the sequel. But uh, let's admit it, you know, let's let's not bullshit each other here. Movie! Sequels suck. We all know this. Right. We have a very healthy and well-founded fear of sequels in the Except US. Except Grease 2. Except Grease 2, which obviously rocked. Yeah. So the FIFA. We, we know this, the small percent of a percent of a percent that have worked out, the undeniables, but they, they're so few and far between, it's ridiculous. I decided to look at Boondock and develop, I developed a theory after Inter, uh, after investigating sequels that you give them everything that they love from the first movie except bigger plus a brand new plot that they could never see coming. Cleanest examples Terminator 2 and Arnold was suddenly the good guy. We loved it. Didn't see it coming. It was a brand new thing and I, I guarantee you they were arguing over that one. But the filmmakers persevered and did something brave. Didn't just rest on the laurels of the first film. That's the idea we went into this with. We threw a bunch of unpredictable shit. There's a female lead in Boondock 2. Fan, that was like a cold water in the face to the fan base, you know? Clifton Collins, New, new Saints of Mexico, uh, going into period piece flashbacks of Bill Duce's history. These are things that Boondock fans are not used to. So though it's the same, it's also extremely different. Yeah, it, and, and, but I guess one of the other questions is, you know, the, the first one, and I haven't seen it since 2003, whenever it was on DVD, and that's the last time I saw it. Um, there wasn't, you know, you have a female lead, and you, you know, you're not attempting to exploit her aren't sex scenes or anything like that. But clearly, there's a sexual element to it. But I don't remember, you know, a sexual element that much to the first film. 
was that a conscious decision as well to sort of even it out in terms of just, you know... It was a sexual element. It was just a, a homosexual element is what it was in the first film. Right. You know, Smecker was completely unabashedly gay. And he was a stronger gay character. He wasn't one of these tiptoes of the tulip types that, right. that are just continually stereotyped homosexuals get upset about. He, uh, he was unapologetically gay. She's unapologetically feminine. So I guess in that way you could say that there was a sexual bent to both characters. They were just two different ones. Well, was there at any point in the script an attempt to sexualize her, like, you know, in a more graphic, I don't mean like, you know, porn. I mean that, you know, a lot of action movies have gratuitous sex scenes. I mean, that's part of the... Did you see the sequel? Yeah, I saw it last week. Yeah, there was nothing in oh, there like that that would that would have... Uh, we didn't attempt to sexualize her any more than... That's one of those things, man, you know... I also think women are sick and tired of being portrayed in that stereotypical victim type of a role. I wanted a strong female character that did not lose her femininity, but could compete with the boys. That's what she delivered, in my opinion. Well, I mean, I was just going off the very first introduction she has, which is a, you know, high heel, up the stocking yeah, kind of, you know, yeah. intro, which is obviously, you know, sexualizing her in a sense, and then shutting it down right after. Yeah. But uh, I was like, well, maybe this went in a different direction at some point. Maybe it did. Again. I didn't see that. At the, I saw her as boom, boom, coming into the room. I didn't see it so. Much. I agree with him. I saw it as fucking sexy. It, but but it was like it was like slinky I mean, jazz. Yeah, music, and it was you know? kind of like thrown in here because they're they're like in fear of like oh shit, she's here in ten minutes. Oh shit, and then out comes this like yeah, but runway goddess. Like you, it's yeah. before you meet her though, so it, it's I don't know that you can attach it to anything. You know, yeah, sexy, cool song playing. It's just a cool way to intro a character. And for me, it sets the table a little bit with her. And then the fact that it immediately gets cut off and she starts going back and forth at odds with the Boston cops, now we're in a completely different thing. I love balancing things in movies. Humor following brutality, you know? A happy scene, a sad scene. Completely balancing a film out so that you're not on one thing too long. Maybe to you, she was sexualized in that moment. Just for the first, you know, All right, 30 but seconds. then you can't argue that directly after she completely wasn't. She right. went a different direction. And so it goes throughout the film with her character yeah, and the Who cares if she was sexualized? So what? Whether or not you say she was sexualized or not, I fucking dug it. Yeah, so I what? mean, that, to me it's just a cool way to intro a character. Yeah. Whether she was sexualized or not doesn't really matter to me. Well, it has a bad connotation. I'm not looking at it in a misogynist the... fashion, just that that was an added element that was not... I thought it was a killer way to introduce her, like, totally. Right. But now, now you show, because they're afraid of this chick, they're, they're afraid of this, this special agent coming, and then out comes, they're like, holy Jeez, fuck. Yeah. They're disarmed automatically because I don't want to fucking throw a leg over it, you know? <laughs> I thought that was fucking killer. And if somebody wants to call it, oh, sex, sex, I don't give a shit. I fucking love it. I don't think anyone. I, don't think he I know, but I know. But <laughs> um, in ter- J- Judd Nelson was was odd casting to play a I don't know mafia don. What was the thinking behind that? Well, we're dealing with New England mob here. You know, Boston mob. J- Judd's from Maine. He had the accent built in. He's a friend. Has been for a long time. I thought he was uh, perfect for it. Uh, he happened to be available, and we went and did it. Thought he did a terrific job. It's a, it's a different type of Nelson performance than you've seen before from him. That's what I like about it. Nobody would cast Judd Nelson as a as a mob guy. Nobody would cast Billy Connolly as as one of the you know most force of nature esque killers out there. To me, those things when you break down stereotypes and go against what people expect, 
It's much more exciting. It's, a, it's razor's edge casting type stuff for me. No, then I feel like I'm ignoring you. No, no, no. It's if if they made, says anything. I was going to say, I was like, I should include it. Uh, would, if they made Gossip 2, would you be in it? <laughs> really? That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> keep talking. I'll just stop over here. I'll stop burping all over the sun, too. So no on Gossip 2 is what you're saying? Yeah, probably. I mean, I know we moved on to make the Al Gore documentary. Well, Gossip was my first studio film, so of course I did it. And, you know, I'm not unhappy that I did it, but, yeah, we're going to see it. It was never, I'm pretty sure. Well, actually, if Sony picks it up, you never know. You never know. Financial failure, yeah, makes sense. I'm trying to talk my way around it without you know, offending anyone. Um, don't worry. Be offensive, man. Yeah. Right now, we're so bulletproof with okay, this okay. shit. Don't, don't, don't hold back. Okay. You know, you're not going to right, upset they're, us. They're, they're, well, I, I can't tell, actually, from the shirt you're wearing, but the, uh, there's a numerous amount of fat jokes in both the first movie and the second one. And, and, and then there's even more gay jokes. The second one, there's a character who's keep calling fat, and then when he takes his shirt off, yeah, he's fat, but he's not, like, ridiculous. Yeah. He's like middle-aged man fat, which is normal. I, I, I you know, there's got to be some, <laughs> but it is like <laughs> I, you know, I, I, late forty guy was what, like early fifties, late forty somewhere in there. Yeah. You know, you get a punch. After you know, look at James Spader on Boston Legal. I mean, that's not because he's out of shape. That's because he's older. Yeah, but okay. but you know, you know, it's it's a, it's like the way dudes say, <laughs> like 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 the word fat to me, it's like. I knew that was a derogatory term for somebody underperforming before I knew it was in reference to homosexuals. Right, but I'm getting at more like the gay panic angle, which is all throughout the movie, which is like, you know, queer bait, you know, a lot of that stuff. Yeah, but, but that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Talking. It doesn't mean, when you when you go, oh, dude, you fought, you're, you're such a fag. If, if, on the football field, if, if your buddy missed the pass, you, you're not insinuating that he's it's out of like pocket. It's like calling the gun fag. It doesn't mean... No, no, no. Yeah, I, like, I, you know, I got that, but there are certainly elements where they're queer bait is you, you don't miss that one. I mean, well, but dude, even queer bait. It's yeah, like, dude, it's just like a queer New England thing yeah. to say. Yeah. It doesn't even mean like you're going to go trolling. Oh, I went to school in Boston. So well, and you know. Picks up I know, but like a lot of people don't know what that is because it's one of those funny little things. But we're an equal opportunity offender. We piss on everybody. Well, no, because I'm, I'm a Jew and you didn't, I wanted shots at me and there weren't any. Well, we'll hit that and boom, dog. Okay. <laughs> But although, you know, although in the Arabs, where were the Arab shots? Jesus, but dude, this, you know, there, there's some things that, that we, we really like, dropped the ball on yeah. the Arabs. Dude, that's that's <laughs> it's, it's, it's like everyone else is scared. Oh, Pollocks! Pollocks. What was I thinking? At one point in society, like gay and black and you know women being overweight was taboo. Now, if you say towelhead or if you say anything derogatory about Jewish people, that's like. Needle on the record. It's like, uh, excuse, you know. And who knows what it'll be in ten years? I, I know. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's just like it, it always you're goes a politically around. Correct person. If you're worried about that, you're always chasing status. Right. Stay the fuck away from that movie. Because we, 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 uh, like I said, are an equal opportunity offender. We even got lesbians pretty good in the opening frames of Boondock One. If you think about it. Yeah. And there was racial stuff. It's like, and and then even in this one, we get on the Irish a little bit. It's not. It's not. It's just, it's all in good fun, and if you well, can't take a joke... No, 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 it's, here's, the, here's the thing, because 
while watching overnight, I'm like, that must be what he looks like. He should not be making fat jokes. Yeah. Because you were a little out of shape during that period. I assumed it was the alcohol. See, whether I was, you know, I could I could be 700 pounds. I can make fat jokes in a film. It's a film. No, no, I know. But you never know what our own social mores and feelings and all the real world and try to apply it to films. Project is what I was getting at. Well, okay, but like you can't do things because you're a certain way, right. or, or maybe like that, if, that I, if I was a black director, I was I'm Willem free to say or do anything I want. He just probably had a cock in his ass, and Willem's going, you fag. I thought that was genius. Yeah, he's a, he's a gay dude calling a fag. You know? It's just funny. It's it's just funny stuff to a lot of people. I mean, it's, it's that, that kind of funny where you don't want other people knowing that you laughed at it, right. you know? Yeah. Now... You know, through no fault of your own, you had to shoot in, in uh, Canada. Was it Vancouver or Toronto or Toronto? Toronto. Um, and yet, there's still the exteriors that show it's Boston. I know it's a necessity. You know, nothing you can do about it. And then there's, but it's really just sort of one badly integrated uh, shot that you know really shows Boston. That's hey, I get it. It's not your fault. You know, you've got to have interiors you know to hide it. Um, were there ever, for instance, there's there's a very very interestingly bad movie called Second Sight. I don't know if you ever heard of it with Bronson Pinchot and John Larroquette. And it was shot by uh, a guy I didn't go to school with, but he went to Emerson and I did too. And they keep pretending the movie's in L.A., but you can see Boston police signs like everywhere. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, like you can see the Boston police. Yeah, sign. yeah, yeah. It's, it's a That's do not cross, you know, it's like one of those do not cross like you know barriers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and I'm like, why are you pretending? And I saw all the locations from where I went to school, and I'm like, why are you? Pre- what's the difference? It doesn't mean it, it doesn't matter if this is in Los Angeles or not. It's not central to the plot. But you, when you know, I'm assuming you'll have you'll, you you have to have it take place in Boston, but is there ever any, like... Oh, well, the reason we shot in Toronto was it's, to save money. Right, right. It had nothing to do with, you know, I would have preferred to shoot both films in Boston. Right, no, no, It's too expensive, and it sucks to have to, you know, do stuff like that and try to fake one city for another. But uh, it was just, we didn't really have a choice, you know, it's independent film. A lot of people are like, why did you do it this way instead of this way? It's like, I have this much time and this much fucking No, no, I know, I know why. I know why you did it. It's not, you know, it's just one of those things where the way that it was integrated, there's just this one sort of half out of focus shot, and yeah. I'm like, oh boy, you know, like, they were like... What shot are you talking about? I'm it was sure. a transition scene. I can't remember somewhere, like, two-thirds through the movie, and I guess it had some shots of, like, banks and the local, like, you know, uh, local to Boston stuff that made it clear that it was Boston. Maybe a street sign was, I mean, yeah. it, was a, it was a shot that I can't even remember because it... Uh, stock, yeah. stock footage. Oh, okay. All right. We didn't even get to go shoot with the helicopter this time. Okay. Okay. What was the budget? Eight. Okay. First one was six, but the exchange rate when we did the first one was 67 cents on the dollar, so I was getting a 33% break every time we spent an American dollar up there. It was 94 and a half on the sequel. Right. Virtually identical. I got a five and a half cent break, which means we basically shot the second one for the exact same price we did the first. Now, was there ever any inclination to, say, approach, like, Boston, um, like the film commission or anything like to shoot in Boston, or they would just be, it would just been ridiculous? They hadn't signed, by the time we began uh, filming Boondock 2, they hadn't signed that tax deal yet. So, now what, what did you not necessarily have time to shoot that you wanted to put in the film? We shot everything I wanted to put in the film, but uh, my first cut was three hours and 15 minutes. It was a matter of culling down all that footage. I took out entire scenes, one entire plot. Long close-ups on Julie's ass. Yeah, sexualizing. <laughs> we have probably about an hour and 20 minutes of extra footage and extra scenes that didn't even really make the cut. So I shot the shit out of it. 
it's just that we boiled it down to its essentials. The story is essentially the yeah. same, though. It was just it's, like... It's an hour and 52 minutes. Uh, and we started out with three hours and 15 minutes by putting everything we did in there. So, like, there were scenes that were written and shot that are not in there. I feel guilty, because you just... Not, I mean, it's a lot of, it's a lot of plot. I'm curious, do so you not like, like the movie? Do you want me to answer honestly? Yeah, no, I, why? I, yeah. No, of course, yeah. No, but yeah, I, 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 it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter in the interview to me, you know, whether I like the movie or not. I've seen movies I didn't like and had helped yeah, me. Yeah, some right. right there. No. But good, 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 good. good. But I didn't like the first one either, and you basically made the same movie, so... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah so I wasn't going to like it, Yeah, I knew that. But we, you know, we go to screenings knowing you're not going to like the movie. Yeah. And I try to skip those as much. I didn't see Transformers 2 because I hate Transformers 1. I don't know why it would be any different. Yeah. Yeah. So, do, I mean, do you write, are you just going to slash this article? Is that what you're doing? No, the interview is more important to me, to be honest with you. It's much more interesting than, because you guys made a genre film. And you can look at that only so many ways. Yeah. You know, because you were trying deliberately to get within a certain... Within an within the action realm, within a certain style. So, to me, what you were really thinking is far more interesting to me okay. uh, than the review. Which you know, yeah, if I write a negative review, but you know, reviews are not going to sell this movie. You know that it has nothing to. Do, you know, the people who like the movie don't read reviews in general. Yeah, uh, pretty much. This is like this is like the first like real fart in the elevator in uh, by this time, I've read so many bad reviews, I actually enjoy reading them so now. Yeah. There's this one kid on the internet that's like, This movie sucks, and I can't believe everybody doesn't know that. Here's why it sucks, A, B, C, D. I know, I went to film school where people actually know what they're doing. You're, as a critic, you start disliking most movies, so, because you yeah. see so many, everything starts to look the same. Mm. And that's not that, that's yeah. not a matter of, you know, you did something wrong, that's a matter of... I certainly don't expect everybody to love this film. Right. I mean, I, I the same... I mean, the, the first one had a lot of success, and there was a lot of people that... Movie. Oh yeah, you know. I mean, when I try to follow, did you see um, Jamie Kennedy's documentary Heckler? No. no. It's not a very good movie, and he makes some rather strange points where he tries to connect hecklers and stand-up comedy to film critics as if it were the same thing, as if some drunk guy in the audience is equal to some guy who can write for a newspaper. Although yeah. he was getting close to the notion of, you know, on the internet, you know, there is no filter. People just write what they want, think they're a critic, whatever. Don't go to, you know, you don't have to go to school to be a critic. It helps. Reading helps. You know, all sorts yeah. of things help. Um, and so what I try to do is, what he makes, the only interesting point he makes in the whole movie is um, that sometimes critics start to attack the person as opposed to the movie. And that's what I feared with you, is that what, what would start to happen. And so in my review... With you, you mean? Because, I, like, with the weight and all this stuff, and I see you're sweating, usually you're like, how? So I'm like... Oh, no, I was sweating on the way in. It's, I, it's oh. about a 20-minute walk from me from oh, the station. Right. So I, I was just curious, like, if you were going to... No, 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 I don't have no, I have no intention of doing that. <laughs> the last interview I did, he did like was to say he was. If yeah, you, if you, nobody's going to do that. The, the last thing I did was with uh, the guys who made Black Dynamite, and I didn't like that either. didn't no. make any difference. No. I thought it was phony, but it doesn't matter. The interview was... You should write what, what, what you believe in. Right? Yeah. Exactly what you think and feel, you know. But I, that's the thing. It's like, this is not an antagonistic thing because I respect what, that you're a filmmaker. I don't have to like what you do. That doesn't, you know, you could be Ted Michaels. I mean, I don't think he makes good movies, but you can know who that is. Uh, Astro Zombies, but that should give you an idea. <laughs> Sounds like a keeper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, would like Astro, I like Astro Zombies too, the Sony film. Well, there are, there are in fact, five <laughs> Astro Zombies. Is there really one? There really are, but he, Sony, it's not a Sony film. Oh. These are like way independent <laughs> horror films. Oh my God. But he's a very nice guy. He's just not a good filmmaker. Yeah. So what? 
no. according to you. There's a bunch of people out there that no, no, like Astro Zombies. No. No, nobody pretends that it's a good movie. Oh, okay. Andy, Andy Milligan, that sort of thing. Nobody has yeah. any pretense. I don't even think he pretends it's yeah. a good movie. He's famous for like living in a castle with seven women, <laughs> literally in the U.S. Like doing yeah, that, and, and like about that. they don't have to sleep with them, but they they have to, you know, hold their pull their weight. That's very strange. Yes, without the sex part. That's funny. He's like an old, he just lost his house in Vegas, so it was a big, well, it doesn't matter, you know, it's sort of an internet thing. But that, that's what I was getting at, there's no, you know, I don't, I don't need to want to attack you. There's a, there's a section on my site called Jamie Kennedy Ate My Puppy, which is a reference to Heckler in the sense that Jamie Kennedy seems to believe that because people didn't like Son of the Mask, that all critics are full of shit. Mm-hmm. And because they didn't like kicking it old school, all critics are full of shit. And because it got a low Rotten Tomatoes score, all critics are full of shit. Which is ridiculous, but... Um, so, I, that section is just for things which are about the art of filmmaking, which yeah. are about criticism, which are trying to prove that maybe he's not necessarily right, maybe he was a little angry and yeah. He starts attacking critics, like Richard Roper's like, yeah, your movie sucked. And he's like, what's wrong with you? He's like screaming at him. And this is supposed to make Jamie, Jamie Kennedy look good. Um, and Roper's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I can understand. I mean, he probably puts a lot of work into what he does, you know. But why would you care what critics yeah, yeah, but, And also, it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. If you put, it doesn't matter how much effort you put personal. into it. Art, art is, sub, is subjective. It just yeah. is. Yeah, totally. If you make art and you pour your soul into it, you ex- and you get offended if somebody doesn't like it, you're in the wrong fucking business, man. Yeah, yeah you can also see a film that you know is great, but it, you just can't stand it. Yeah. You know, like I saw Frozen River recently. I wanted to dash my eyes out with fucking hot oh, That's It's not it just you. It's so fucking depressing. Yeah. But I could tell it was obviously a well-done movie. It, it, well, it, it, it was all desolate yeah. and fucking yeah. dark, and, and the story was, like, just painful. You just, you just hold... Dude, I got bored of tears in Inglorious Bastards. The first 15 minutes... Are I, brilliant. They're brilliant. Brilliant. Yes. Brilliant. Best short film of the year. Man, I gotta tell you, <laughs> that setup, I thought, this is gonna be brilliant, man. This guy is gonna have a, a, a on a train of vengeance. And, and he started jerking off all over the screen. And, and yeah, and like, what are you doing? brother, right there. Everybody's like, I loved it, I loved it. It was this, it was ever so afraid to say that the Tarantino movie sucked. I was like, after that opening scene, then there was caricatures of people and well, every, all the everything that stuff was, was terrible. Him. Everything that that yeah. Nazi guy was in yeah. was a good stuff. I like him as an awesome. awesome. Yeah. I'll see another film in a minute. But if he wasn't in it, it was it became these caricatures of like cartoony people and I don't know where it went, man. I touch that's my one opinion. of those movies where I, you ever come out of a movie and go, not as good as I'd hoped, not as bad as I thought. Yeah, that's exactly the feeling I had walking out of uh, *Inglorious Bastards*. Well, that's a prime example. I mean, here's a, here's a that's movie that everybody gave raves across the board, and I just like was like, I don't get it, man. I, I gave a middling review because I recognized the opening yeah. is incredible and that there's... The opening of that, and there's what a, happened, man? The scene, you could make that the scene in the basement, I thought was amazing. Like, again, yeah. same thing. But same it went thing. on for 45 minutes and yeah. I'm like, oh, great, he's willing to take it. But then what's the other 45 minutes of crap that's, yep. going, that's I agree. with Brad Pitt that doesn't need to be there? And the ending is terrible. And I know that he poured his soul into yeah. the film. It's not, that's not the point. The point it is, like, some people are going to awesome. think What's that? Well, it was awesome in that. Yeah. To me, it was a cartoon. Yeah. To me, it was in the wrong tone for the whole rest yeah, of the movie. I agree. Rather. What? I agree 100%. And the, 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 rest, the rest tone... So what kind of worms you The rest tonally was one spot, and then Pritt came in... You ever want a sauerkraut sandwich again? You better tell us where the Nazis are. Dude, I'm from I'm that... Part. You would have loved that guy. I'm from that part of the country. That dude cannot do that dialect, man. It's like... 
I mean, it, it's just, it was just way too big and too broad, and, yeah. and it didn't mix in. Like, you're like, okay, there's a cartoon character, and there's a very real character. Right. And to me, it's like, I don't really, I just didn't get it. And he I couldn't mean, write himself out of the movie, too, because the ending. Yeah. It's like, this guy has been brilliant, this Wanda yep. character, brilliant for two hours, and then he starts making one stupid decision after another, yep. and why? And I don't really know, unless it was plot convenience. And I don't know either. I don't think it, I'm not sure anybody knows, you know? But that's, that's, that also goes into it. It's like you never know what... Like, every time they give an Academy Award for editing, it just blows my mind, the Academy Awards. Like, unless you see the available footage and then you see the final product, you cannot... There's no criteria for weighing how good or how bad an editor is, you know? There's none. Having said that, even acting. If I act with a horrible actor, we may spend four hours on a scene. Six minutes of which may be mine. The other three hours and 54 minutes may be trying to get this guy to deliver it okay. And then the minute he does, we have to do my take. That's my take. That was the one because we got him. You know what I mean? Right. And then they're critiquing you on your four minutes. And I, mean, I, can, I can tell you scenes where that happened. But that's, where the, that's actually but, the editor's fault at that point. Well, but no, not really because, I mean, the only usable take right. is one where actor B finally got the words right. And actor one by then is like... Oh my God, and, and he might have been his worst take, but you have to use it because finally this guy got it out. Right. And then the Academy is going to vote it on that. And they may think, oh, yeah, those... Yeah, had no coverage on it. Any way possible. But here, because, because of time constraints, you may have spent the entire day giving an actor, an A actor, 20 minutes for the whole scene. Giving the other actor the entire other thing. Turn around, coverage, close up, boom, got it, nailed it. You're like, what? Well, we got to do it on this guy because he sucks. Then you, people see a scene and they're like, well, those two are great. And you're like, everybody everybody that was on the day is going, yeah, boy, they were I, I they were really quick. Um, it's okay. Yeah, I'm like, I think I was like way over. I'm like, kept waiting for them. Do you, can you mean to stop, Joe? Yeah, I figured.